0: Welcome. You're listening to Uncommon Sense, and I'm Doug Morgan. Hey, what is vaccine shaming anyway? Well, it's putting pressure on someone for not getting the vaccine or treating them differently in any way. Uh, let me let me give you an example. Uh, this is a clip from a CNN interview with Brian Stelter, and he's interviewing Matt Gertz, who's the fellow uh, senior fellow of Media Matters, not one of my favorite (laughs) groups, but you'll see why here in a second. Go ahead and listen to this clip.
1: You know, I think it's really important to see all these TV anchors, personalities showing themselves getting the shot. We've seen a lot of vaccine selfies from lots of folks at lots of different networks. Uh, it's been really inspiring to see. You know, the Today Show even brought the the, the, the co-hosts outside for a live group vaccination this week. And Rachel Maddow on Friday on MSNBC talked about how she was really fearful of the needle, really worried about it. And yet it was important to get the shot. And she did. And there she is talking about it on air. So, I say all of that to make the following point. Where are Tucker and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingraham? Where is Ainsley Earhart and Steve Ducey and Brian Kilmeade? Where are the biggest stars on Fox getting vaccinated? I get it's a personal choice. I get that's between, you know, the hosts and their healthcare provider. But everybody else is doing it, right, Matt? I mean, all across television, all these anchors are, are rolling up their sleeves. Why do you think we haven't seen the biggest stars on Fox News, get vaccinated or show us their vaccine selfies?
2: I I don't know. And I think that Fox has a really unique responsibility here. I mean, the network's hosts have been telling their viewers for decades that they cannot trust any other network. They can't trust CNN. They can't trust the newspapers. The only people who are telling them the truth, they say, uh, are the people at Fox. And so during a a public health crisis, the network is the only way to reach its viewers with information like that. They are the ones that the viewers trust. Uh, And so when instead of telling their viewers, look, uh, go get the shot, it's in your interest, it is safe, it is uh, incredibly effective, it will get us back to normal, they are raising questions about its effectiveness, raising questions about whether it is dangerous, that does a lot of damage. Steve Ducey should get vaccinated live on Fox & Friends. It would Absolutely. save lives. It would save the lives of his viewers. I don't understand why they won't do that. It's By the way,
1: it should have happened in February. Like, it's April. Where, where are they? And, I, you know, but, again, they're making a personal choice. Um, Fox will give you a list of all the personalities that have said they've been vaccinated, you know, some of their news anchors, some of their commentators. But the biggest stars are the ones that are most trusted by the Fox audience. And they're choosing not to spread the word. It's a really curious choice.
0: This is disturbing on many different levels. Uh, Let's let's take a look at why. Uh, First of all, uh, HIPAA. (laughs) Anybody ever heard of HIPAA? Well, HIPAA is an acronym, H-I-P-A-A, for the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act that was passed by Congress in 1996. Now, one of the biggest changes to the law that this act did was it required the protection and confidential handling of protected health information. Now, the HIPAA uh, privacy regulations required healthcare providers and organizations, as well as their business associates, to develop and follow procedures that ensure the confidentiality and security of protected health information. Information or PHI uh, when uh, it was transferred. Now, uh, it, it would also require this for when uh, information was received or handled or shared. Um, this this applies for all forms uh, of of PHI, including paper, oral, and electronic. Um, therefore, only the the minimum health information necessary to conduct business. Is to be used or shared. So, in other words, HIPAA basically put a lock on information, health information uh, that that was private. So, uh, if, if it wasn't your doctor, or even even in some cases your doctor, even uh, you have you had a lot of rights when it came to uh, how private you wanted your health information and it didn't matter how that information was transferred Uh, you had a lot of rights in protecting that health information Uh, you can uh, uh, ask that your your health information uh, not be shared with certain people groups or companies if you go to a clinic for example you can uh, ask the doctor not to share your medical records uh, with other doctors even or nurses at, at a clinic you can also ask your health care provider to, or pharmacy not to tell uh, your health insurance company about care that you received or drugs you're taking. Uh, I mean, it, it went uh, into quite an extensive uh, area as far as privacy goes. And and it's been around for, obviously, a number of years. Uh, I It, it, it affected uh, even myself when it came to... Um, when I was uh, serving legal paperwork, and the uh, and having to serve somebody that let's say was in an adult care home, um, HIPAA law came into effect when um, they could not tell me oftentimes whether or not a person was even living at that facility, or um, you know wh- wh- whether or not uh, you know they were there for particular reasons or whatever. Uh, if 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 that person was was not um, you know, mentally uh, able to be served legal paperwork. Uh, they couldn't tell me that even. And so there was a lot of, of secrecy and, and privacy that was created by the HIPAA Act. And, and, and again, not necessarily a bad thing, but it is current law. And in fact, we also see when it comes to, you know, the confidentiality of our, of our healthcare information, uh, when it comes to like abortion for instance uh the the pro-choice advocates uh, favorite mantra in supporting abortion is my body my choice yeah say it with me i mean you've heard it how many times my body my choice when it comes to abortion of course in the case of abortion there are two two hu- human bodies uh, not just one. So it's not just your body, your choice. It's, it's a baby's body as well. So it doesn't really apply there, even though they love to use that. Um, but why are these same people now saying that everyone should get the COVID vaccine, whether they want it or not? Or not? I mean, we have health care choice in this country. Um, you know, we, we, have, we have a choice when it comes to our health care. Like, for instance, do a, do a, do I have to have a belly button hernia surgery <laughs> if I have a belly button hernia? I knew somebody had a belly button hernia. You may not have even heard of that, but but uh, you know their belly button was you know went from innie to outie by quite a bit uh, because they had a little hernia right there. And I guess it's pretty common. And uh, and if if I have that, do I have to have the surgery uh, to to replace that? Do I need to have a total knee or hip surgery if I'm experiencing problems with my knees or, or my hip? Do I have to have that? Uh, do I have to get the flu shot every single year? I mean, these are healthcare choices that we can make for ourselves and we're not forced into having a total knee surgery, let's say. Your doctor will give you the information in a advise you about a treatment and he if he's a good doctor he's going to give you all the different options and and the 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 pros and the cons of each option and then you get to choose what you want to do there you have the right to choose and you can say yes to treatments you want and you can say no to any treatment that you don't want even if the treatment might keep you alive let's say i know somebody right now that is in that situation where they they don't have very long to live and they are making the choice, the healthcare choice, to not get further treatments. And so that their, their time remaining here on Earth is going to uh, not be in a hospital bed with all kinds of medicines and them, you know, half in, half out of it. Uh, they've chosen to not get further treatment and, and that, that might uh, extend their life by who knows how much, right? Uh, that is their right. And this was established in 1958, actually, in the England versus Louisiana State Board of Medical Examiners case. And the Fifth Circuit sweepingly announced, uh, uh, pronounced that under the 14th Amendment, quote, the state cannot deny to any individual the right to exercise a reasonable choice in the method of treatment of his ills, unquote. So what's that mean? Well, this was the case where Louisiana tried to outlaw uh, chiropractic care, actually, as a valid medical treatment. And what the uh, the circuit court said here was that, no, you get to choose. If you want chiropractic treatment and you think that that's going to help you, um, then you need to, to have the right to make that choice and uh, a State or, or any other government official cannot come out and say, "No, you can't have that treatment." Um, and as long as, obviously, I mean, if if it's something that that uh, is banned or whatever, you can't do that. But uh, as long as as it's a, it's a choice and an option for you, you have the right to make that option. So when I saw this article, shaming of the unvaccinated identifies in Colorado. Uh, or intensifies in Colorado as push to inoculate grows. Some say, and and, and this is from Debbie uh, Kelly of the Denver Gazette, and this was just the other day on the 12th, it says millions of Americans say they don't plan on getting immunized for COVID-19, but that uh, vaccine hesitancy now appears to be giving way to vaccine shaming. Some Coloradans say, that they're being criticized for choosing not to be inoculated resident sue christ said she's been called un-american stupid and selfish for her decision people are shaming me she said telling me i'm not doing my part to keep other people safe if they're afraid they don't have to be around me is what she's saying and and i would i would actually agree with her on that point about one in three americans said in february they're probably or definitely won't be inoculated according to a pew research poll that's an improvement from last september if you want to call that an improvement when nearly half of americans said they didn't think they'd get the vaccine but public backlash for those who don't might worsen in coming months might worsen i think I think that's a pretty safe bet. It continues to say, Out of a massive push to vaccinate at least 70% of Americans has come the idea of vaccine passport programs. Did you hear what I said there? Vaccine passport programs. and These are where people must show proof of vaccination in order to travel and attend large events and work in some jobs. Such a requirement in itself constitutes shaming, said Colorado Springs resident Bill Steffens. I think we're still in a free country, he said. Don't I get to take the responsibility for myself? Those who think otherwise, if they're that concerned, they can stay home. I am not responsible for them. And you see, this kind of thinking is contrary to a lot of what other people think, when, when they, they say, okay, we're going to put society first instead of individual freedoms first. And of course we know, all the way back from our founding fathers, that individual freedom is the cornerstone to societal freedom. And when we don't have individual freedoms, then we don't have a societal freedom at all. Um, it goes on to say, tense, even angry interactions between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated Aren't surprising, particularly with a new infectious disease, said Colorado or University of Colorado Denver sociologist Professor Jennifer Reich, who researches vaccine hesitancy. Kind of interesting, right? Many people think of vaccines as a significant victory in what's been a long and devastating pandemic, she said. So it may seem illogical that some people don't want to be inoculated. People don't get vaccinated for myriad reasons, Reich said, including mistrust, the perception that the risks outweigh the benefits, fear of adverse reaction, personal rights, and individual values. And and I, I would stop I would stop here and just say that many of those things are valid. Uh, if, if, there is a mistrust. I mean, if you go back through this last year and, and more and, and what we've determined, what we've learned about the coronavirus and all the different statements and, and things that have been made, particularly on a governmental le- uh, level, um, how can you trust what, you know, what comes out? Because what comes out today is not necessarily going to be what, come, what, what we know to be true tomorrow. Uh, the perception that the risks outweigh the benefits. Well, yeah. I mean, we're talking about a virus that is highly, highly um, livable. In other words, the, 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 the mortality rate is extremely low when it comes to this. And that's okay. It's, it, I'm not saying that it's not a nasty virus. But what I'm saying is that the, the perception that risks outweigh the benefits is a valid perception. Fear of adverse reaction. Yeah, there's there's definitely fear of adverse reaction. I know several people who have had adverse reactions to the vaccine when you know they would probably not have even known they had the virus if they had gotten the virus. Um, Personal rights and individual values. I think again another another valid uh, concern. It goes on to saying opposing viewpoints may lead to the uh, the unvaccinated feeling stigmatized and judged, Wright said. Well, I think there's plenty of reason why. When individuals reject vaccines, but want to fully participate in community spaces, it is easy for those who are working toward community solutions to express frustration with the ways they see them as wanting to benefit from public investment without the obligation that come with being part of a community, Reich said in an email. She said, quote, we see this with debates about whether unvaccinated children should be able to attend schools or when healthcare workers are expected to get a flu vaccine to protect people in their care, unquote. So now we see call for uh, the vac- uh, vaccine passports. Have you seen this? Uh, we, we have seen a, a real call for vaccine passports and there are a lot of problems with this idea in my estimation uh, to explore why here is an article about immunity passports and why they are a bad idea and this was now this article came out may 21st of 2020 so this is uh, almost a year ago and this article came out about immunity passports uh, out of nature.com and of course, immunity passports, this this was before there was a vaccine, or even the idea that a vaccine was even close to, to becoming a reality. And so these immunity passports uh, idea was, was thrown out there saying if somebody's already had COVID, then they have a, an immunity to that virus. And so then they can get this passport that says they can do whatever they want. Uh, if you don't have that passport, then you can't do a lot of things. So here's here's this article, and they're talking about it from a, a point of view where they don't like the immunity passports. And let's see why. It says, imagine a world where your ability to get a job, housing, or a loan depends on passing a blood test. You're confined to your home and locked out of society if you lack certain antibodies. It has happened before. The more the most of... The 19th century immunity to yellow fever divided people in New Orleans and Louisiana between the uh, acclimated who had survived yellow fever and the unacclimated who had not had the disease. Lack of immunity dictated whom people could marry and where they could work. Something similar could be our dystopian future if governments introduced immunity passports in efforts to reverse the economic catastrophe of the COVID-19 pandemic. The idea is that such certificates could be issued to those who have recovered and tested positive for antibodies to the coronavirus. China has already introduced, now again, this is a year ago. Okay. China has already introduced viral health checks, contact tracing and digital QR codes. To limit the movement of people. Antibody test results could easily be integrated into this system. And Chile, in a game of semantics, says that it intends to issue medical release certificates instead of the immunity passport with uh, three months val- um, validity to people who have recovered from the disease. In our view, any documentation, now this is This is from nature.com. In our view, any documentation that limits individual freedoms on the basis of biology and biological risks become a platform for restricting human rights, increasing discrimination, and threatening, rather than protecting, public health. That's what they're talking about when it comes to this immunity passport. Okay. Monitoring um, erodes privacy, is, is what they're saying here. The, the the whole point of immunity passports is to control movement. They say, thus any strategy to, you know, for immunity certif- certification must include a system for identification and monitoring. Electronic documents present a more serious risk to privacy than paper ones. In mo- in some Chinese provinces. Uh, QR codes or smartphone-controlled entrance into public places on the basis of individuals' uh, COVID-19 health status. However, these apps report more than COVID-19 information. Well, surprise, surprise, right? Including people's locations, travel history, who they've come in contact with, and other health information, ranging from their body temperature, to whether they've recently had a cold. Now Taiwan is also using smartphone apps with alert systems that are directly linked to police departments. The UK, United States, and many other countries are testing various apps uh, and and app options. Yet there's no guarantee that the apps will um, uh, recede when COVID-19 does. In fact, China has announced that elements of its QR code tracking system are likely to remain in place after the pandemic ends. <laughs> Again, shocker, right? Marginalized groups, they say will face more scrutiny. With increasing increased monitoring comes increased policing, and with it higher risks of profiling and potential harms to racial, sexual and religious, and other minority groups. During the pandemic, China has been accused of racially profiling residents who, by forcing all African nationals to be tested for the virus. In other parts of the world, people from Asia have faced spikes in racially prejudice. Now, they also go on to say here, it says new forms of discrimination, platforms for SARS-CoV-2 immune certification could easily be expanded to include other forms of personal health data, such as medical health records and genetic testing results. Hmm. The immunity passports of today could become the all-encompassing biological passports of tomorrow. These would introduce a new risk for discrimination if employers, insurance companies, law enforcement officers, and others could access private health information for their own benefit. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is if these concerns are valid for immunity passports, then they are valid for vaccination passports. I mean, all of these concerns, I think, have validity. When you look through these concerns with using this information above and beyond, and also the fact that, I mean, here in this country, we have HIPAA, and we have the right to choose what our health care plan is going to be. So, if we want to be vaccinated, we can choose to be vaccinated. If we don't want to be vaccinated, we can choose not to be vaccinated. Again, I uh, this is this podcast right now is not about this podcast today is not about whether or not the vaccine is safe it's not about whether or not you should or should not get the vaccine. We've done some some podcasts when it comes to that that question. And you can go you can go to uh, uncommon sensepodcast.com and go through the archives there and you can see some of those that we've talked about. But what this podcast is about today is whether or not this is a violation of uh, of our rights as US citizens. We have the right to choose what our healthcare should look like. And we have the right to keep private what our healthcare um, choices are. Our healthcare choices are our own and are individual to each person. We cannot sacrifice individual privacy and choice for the sake of, of perceived safety. This is not an option for us. We have to have that individual privacy. It is between our doctor and us. That's where it comes from. And that's where it should stay. Vaccine shaming is a real thing that should not be happening to anyone, especially by public figures like Brian Stelter and CNN. And you may agree with me, you may not agree with me. I would love to hear from you. And you can go always go to uh, our Facebook or Instagram uh, pages. You can also go directly to uh, our email there at UncommonSensePodcast.com, and you can get a hold of me, Doug Morgan, there, and we w- I would love to have uh, a discussion or hear uh, what you have to say on this, again, whether you agree or disagree. And again, thank you for listening.